0: Welcome back to another episode of Lessons for Tomorrow, a conversation between industry experts providing insights from the past to apply in the present to achieve success in the future. The motivational poster in your ear. I'm joined today by guest Aaron Reese, from Annex Cloud, and we're going to be talking about consumer loyalty. And overall, I'm just so excited to have you here today, Aaron. You've got a great background of the consumer loyalty industry. You were a leader in the space for the past 20 years and continuing to lead as the uh, Senior Vice President of Revenue at Annex Cloud. You're focusing on growing and expanding loyalty programs as new trends continually evolve. You also co-founded Loyalty360, an association for customer loyalty, helping lead the way and bringing new loyalty trends to the surface. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited for the conversation.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And let's, let's dive right in and just start talking about consumer loyalty and just kind of give me your perspective of where we're at looking back pre-COVID to today, now that we're a, a year and a half almost to the date, past when 2020 and the summer of COVID really hit hard after the shutdowns in March. What's your perspective on where consumer loyalty was at before and what's happened now?
1: It's great to talk about it. We were seeing some trends as we were going into COVID and then you know as, as with I think a lot of industries, lots and lots of change over the last year, lots of acceleration. What we saw going into 2020 was a lot of conversations around personalization, which, which frankly, we've been having for a very, very long time. How do you take personalization to the next level to be more individualized? Uh, but we we're seeing a lot of changes in consumer desire and, and expectations from a company. When I was at Loyalty360 early on, I want to say back around 2010, 2011, we started talking about this concept of expectation matching where you know, the customer just expects businesses to understand who they are, understand their needs at you know, before, during, and after a transaction. And I remember talking about it at a conference and, and going through this concept, and everybody in the room shook their head and said, oh, yeah, that, that, yeah, that makes perfect sense. But almost instantaneously after that, you saw their face, and, and there was almost like fear or like, okay, great. Well, how in the heck do I get there? So this isn't necessarily a new concept, but what we have seen over the last few years is consumers really being more active around uh what, what they expect from from companies. And we did a lot of uh, you know, know me, engage me, and, expi- and and inspire me. And now it's more taking that almost a step further and, and actually like walk with me and walk in my shoes. And and what I mean by that is. So many people are now making decisions around um, causes or charities and things that are, are really important to them. Uh, they want to see the companies that they're doing business with uh, show that they understand and that they're uh, thinking about the same causes and understanding those and supporting those. Uh, so a lot of sustainability, as an example, Uh, They want to see a a company who is being very responsible that way and and will make their buying decision based on that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that sustainability one, just to, to jump in for a moment here, is just key. And I've used Patagonia as an example in the past on the show, but they've just kind of done a lot of great things from a marketing perspective and really building up consumer loyalty where they started talking about the sustainability with using recycled water. For apparel production, recycling their products and asking users and customers to, you know, send it back for, you know, potentially buying repaired, you know, they'll repair it and then they'll resell it and giving that product new life, whereas before it just didn't really have a path to go unless you did a donation to like a Goodwill or a clothing drive charity. And I love the fact that these brands are starting to bring more of that to the forefront, of their messaging, and and really it, it does, in, at least in, in my personal case, and, and I know it's out there in the world, building that loyalty up overall, and then I talk about it and I let others know about it, and it it helps from just that natural word of mouth aspect of everything. What happened during COVID, in your perspective, with consumer loyalty? How did that change? I know I have my thoughts on it, but let's start with yours on just where consumer loyalty really was impacted during uh, COVID.
1: But I think um, two two areas, one, and in, in what we were just talking about, I, I think there were some trends in going down this particular path of, I want to live my life better, and I want the companies I'm spending with to be doing better as well. And then when COVID hit, everybody ended up at home, you began to reflect more on, on what life means and your family, and, and I think it just made people be so much more conscious uh, about that. And so uh, much more acceleration and the need for organizations to be stepping up in that area. And then also, because we went through a lockdown, companies had to look at their customers differently, too. Uh, they now have fewer customers being able to shop with them. Uh, and they I think a lot of the companies had some real realizations as to, gosh, I, I've been taking my customers for granted. And we had one of our fewer customers came on around December or January and we are talking to them about, well, why do you want loyalty? And the gentleman said, and I'm sorry, they're a grocer. And the gentleman, the, the CEO said to, to us, well, had I known who my best customers were when COVID hit, I would have reserved the toilet paper for them. Mm,
0: Yeah, that's a a great point is just knowing who your best customers are and honoring them in terms of your relationship and and what you can do to provide them either a loyalty perk in some sense.
1: And then from the consumer perspective, if the company that you normally went to, let's say, didn't have the products that you wanted, now you were trying out new companies. Let's take the grocery store example. If there wasn't the toilet paper on the shelves at the place you normally went, you were going somewhere else. And so there was some experiential activity going on and customers might have seen better service or different products on those shelves and potentially uh, moved or switched their behavior to to a different brand. And companies are seeing that. And so they needed to act quickly to be able to put a fence around those best customers and build the relationships that they so desperately needed.
0: As a consumer myself last year, there was definitely a few brands who lost my loyalty because of just communications and and how they actually handled letting me know after I ordered something at first it appeared all in stock it looked like I would get it in a reasonable time frame not the standard Amazon next day two days uh experience that so many people have now but really it was just it didn't appear to be this long delayed shipping timeline and then the messages started coming and you know when I expected to have you know gotten the message hey it's shipped I get the hey, this product is delayed, this shipment's delayed. And after receiving several messages of those, I went and I found it elsewhere. I I didn't maintain that loyalty as a consumer to that brand because there was just a lack of messaging. And that's one of the things I've talked to a lot of clients about is just being transparent in your messaging and being upfront about it because it may help retain some of those customers if you're at least upfront with them or you give them some sort of alternative option if an alternate product or similar product is applicable for that organization, then that's a way to kind of help give them ideas if there is a delay because logistics were, you know, impacted heavily during COVID and manufacturing and production were were halted and and slowed severely. Shipping was slowed. So it it happened. But overall, there's different ways that different organizations communicated it that really either maintained loyalty or it broke loyalty.
1: You're right. It was kind of on, on one end of the pendulum or the other.
0: Exactly. So that's what happened, right, with COVID. And now, middle of 2021 already, I still can't believe how fast it it came. How are we moving forward? What are you seeing in the loyalty space as just Annex Cloud is engaging with new customers, existing customers? What do you think is a little bit more of a future forward uh, look for where consumer loyalty is going?
1: We're seeing a few things. I think on the on the consumer side, you know, we talked about the way they're viewing the world and sustainability in those aspects. Consumers also are looking at their time differently too, and this isn't a new thing either. But I think it definitely got accelerated, and because of COVID, the level of service that organizations were providing changed and became you know, potentially easier for organizations. So a lot of the digital transformation. But also things like curbside pickup and that type of support. So, you consumers are, are really valuing their time more, and you know, my time is a currency. And, and how can organizations deliver more frictionless uh, experiences to customers? And I think that's one of the areas that loyalty can come in and, and help and support. And a lot of times, Well, I'd say probably the majority of times when you say the word loyalty, people put that into a bucket of programs that might mean discounts or might mean points. But in reality, the the real backbone of loyalty is this two-way value exchange. So the, the company says, hey, if you give me your information, I promise to deliver better experiences to you. And then the consumer says, "Okay, I'll give you my information. I'll also let you know where I am at all my different touch points. And that begins to break down that friction and begins to give the, the company a lot of information about that customer. So now they can individualize the interactions wherever that customer may be along the path. And so we're seeing a, a lot of organizations come to us thinking about, okay, now I've done all these different things with my digital transformation. Now, how do I use it better? And how do I, I how do I really get this engagement going? And how do I get to, dare I say, this more one-on-one that we've been talking about for a long time that really needs to go well beyond uh, putting somebody's name on on an email to to really knowing what it is that I want and, and delivering on that.
0: Yeah, and I think that's key there. And and just to put a little stat drop in here, but without a loyalty initiative, only 20% of new customers will make a second purchase. And I think that's just a very important reminder to everyone out there is that 80% of people are not making a second purchase because of the lack of a loyalty initiative. And that loyalty initiative is more than just loyalty points, as you mentioned. And I think that's a key thing for everyone to understand is customer loyalty, consumer loyalty is it's not just about points, it is about the relationship that a business has with its customers. And when you know your customers, I mean, repeat customers are spending around 33% more than new customers. So the value in that, and as as you mentioned earlier about the grocer, right, if, if he had known about those, you know, top customers, You would have reserved some things for them. That builds that loyalty. Then they talk about that loyalty that happens. And it just starts to funnel better than trying to acquire new customers, especially when you had a point of so many organizations going into the digital commerce space last year to try and survive the shutdowns. And moving forward, that acceleration is only going to cause more competition. So that loyalty initiative and truly understanding the data that you have is so critical at this time.
1: Yeah, yeah, those are great stats and great points. And, and another stat to throw back at you is increasing retention, just 5% can increase your profitability by 75%. Yeah, and it, it takes into account all those things you were just talking about.
0: Yeah, and that's incredible. The volume of impact that that 5% has in order to just increase that profitability. I mean, who wouldn't want that? A 5% increase To gain 75 percent profitability how how do we look at just the way that with all this data we're talking about data we've had customer expectations shift i'm going to kind of pivot us over to a conversation about this third-party data and this whole cookies are going away and and google is now making changes where even chrome isn't going to track certain things and they're providing different ways to try and get into what they call google flock with this Federated learning of cohorts and all this uh, for how they look at audience data. How is loyalty going to capitalize on the loss for marketers of third party data? What can loyalty do for them?
1: I love how, the way you put that. Um, I, I only hope that people will start looking at loyalty as a way to capitalize on this because it's a real opportunity. Again, I think so many people look at uh, loyalty as you know, points and, and discounts, and I've got to have this big program and it's this big commitment. But the reality is loyalty can help solve a lot of the challenges that organizations are faced with right now, especially the ones that have been heavily into digital advertising and um, relying on on third-party information. And that shift is you can go and continue to guess at who those customers are and put them into broad buckets and segments, or you can actually know who your customers are by just asking them. And, and that's what loyalty does. Is loyalty collects that information. And one of the examples that I think is pretty amazing when you start to think about this, because uh, a lot of companies will say, "Well, they're not. No one's going to give me their data. It's going to take too long. It's too hard to do." But with uh, your loyalty uh, strategy, you can do. You can collect that data, and you can collect it at scale. And Stitch Fix is an example that, that's pretty extreme, but I, I love it. I don't know if you've ever even ventured on their website or or know much about them, but yeah, no, I,
0: I I have ventured on their website. My wife uses stitch fix. I tried out the trunk club from, I think Nordstrom's uh, was running that one or bought them at some point, but yes. So some exposure to it, but a lot of data goes into those companies.
1: Right. And it takes something like 20 to 30 minutes to, to fill out your profile, but people do it because they're going to get a better experience in exchange. You're going to get clothes that fit and you're going to get clothes that you like and, and all that great kind of stuff. But I digress a bit there. To, to your question is your loyalty and, and that two-way value exchange is a, is a very easy way to collect that first-party data. Then you know who these people are. You know how to market to them. You know where they'll be. And then you can even add in things like referral programs and influencer programs that can begin to um, broaden that net uh, to to help support that acquisition that you, you may not have been getting with, with the shift from third-party data. So loyalty can just provide so much more information and, and really take the guesswork out of those activities.
0: Yeah, and I, I love how you ended that with the, the, taking the guesswork out of those activities because it really is if, if you don't have data it is guesswork for when you're trying to go out and build marketing or build personalization in, uh, really understand how to provide intelligent recommendations to your consumers. And with that, I think that the examples of Stitch Fix and just the amount of information that people would spend time filling out, not only do you have that data, that's individual data for that shopper, but then you also have all the other data from all your other shoppers that you can cross-reference that against and see what was returned. I mean, that's the beauty of just where they really use data to their advantage. And the secret's out right here in this podcast that loyalty data gives you that same ability because it is that two-way conversation between the organization and the end consumer. And to me, that's just one of the best things that any organization can use right now is how am I going to replace this third-party data that's going to be going away in, a, in, in less than a year now in in, in around six months. And as those changes are happening, consumers are showing that they do want a level of privacy. So when you look at it, that loyalty aspect is key for the ongoing success of an organization to both maintain but also increase their profitability. And overall, I think it's just so important to understand that that data can be, to use that word again, capitalized on through a loyalty provider like Annex Cloud.
1: Thank you. Thank you for the, the, the plug of Annex Cloud. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, we certainly can do that. I did want to kind of go back to one of the things you said there too around knowing the customer and it gets back to that guesswork piece is you made me think about some things that I've seen loyalty help with. When you think about consumer packaged goods companies, they never really see or know their customer. So uh, loyalty can really help them identify who their customer really is. And many may argue that, hey, we know who our customer is. We've got these personas that we've created. We had a client once that uh, was in the crafting space and they felt that they knew their customer. Their customer was the soccer mom and they were positive. And then they were also positive that they could get the soccer mom to move from the crafts area into other areas within the store, sewing and, and what have you. And when we actually got into and dug into the loyalty data, really understood who the customers were. There were about five customer groups that we identified, and the soccer mom was number four. And the first two were, we called them the quilting queens, and the other was the naughty knitters. And they were a very specific demographic of, of women in very specific areas buying very specific items. They were great customers, uh, but they weren't the soccer mom, and they also weren't uh cross-shopping uh, across the store. And without the loyalty data, they would have never known and they would have continued to you know, try to address some of these people differently or with mixed messages that were going to continue to uh, not resonate or, or not have the returns that they wanted. And it was because they just didn't have enough of the right information.
0: And I think that's incredible. One, I love the uh, audience names that you you dropped there, um, the naughty <laughs> right knitters wrong. and, and the, the fun that marketers can have. But overall, as you hit on a key point, there is they weren't cross shopping. And while it is a desire as an organization to take advantage of the moment of shopping uh, with any audience member, it's also understanding the audience. And you know what is one purchase now? Great to get them through. And a future purchase allows me to kind of bring them in from a loyalty perspective where I don't need to get them to buy everything now. Let them buy what they need now. Don't push too much on them, but then use that information about what they've bought, data mine it against what others have bought and push that recommendation out and say, "Hey, other customers like yourself have also bought this." I mean, it's it's the common one that we've been using for years in marketing of people who've viewed this ended up buying that or I mean, Amazon's pages are filled with this. Their emails are filled with it. A lot of organizations use this tactic. But looking at that opportunity of, while I want that cross-department shopping, I want to get them exposed to other things, there's a lot of different ways that a loyalty initiative can bring them into that fold, and it doesn't even have to be shopping-related, dare I say. It can also be through content strategy and how you drop information out knowing that, hey, my loyalist customers typically come back, and, and maybe in the case of that craft uh customer of yours. You know, do they have a a blog section or a do-it-yourself section and they give some articles about information? You know, people who have bought this product end up reading these articles. Those articles lead them to trying out this project. That project requires these products to be purchased in order to complete. There's a lot of different ways that beyond just the initial shopping experience that we can use other content, other materials, videos, images, infographics, etc., to the advantage of building that loyalty where I'm delivering them something that they desire. At times, it's a product that they purchase and they consume and use. At other times, it might be content that they consume and use that leads to then a future product purchase. And that loyalty aspect and treating them in that sense of individualizing their experience, that's really where I see the future going for loyalty. It's not just in the hey I get these points that's a uh, it's a bonus, right? Everyone who loves points and figuring out how to get the most benefit from those it's great. Starbucks has done a great job of that with their different initiatives of, hey, in this week, if you buy three macchiatos, you get fifty stars and they have that loyalty aspect. It drives me to buy more macchiatos during that week. other times I'll buy something else, but it allows you to have different personalized incentives, and I know they're tailoring that to me because I compare it against my wife's and other coworkers. Starbucks apps and see the difference between that. They're doing it intelligently, but it's not always just about one product line. It starts to mix it up. Oh, you've got to get through these three different ones. That's a point-based one. But where's the content coming to me about new things, of uh, new ideas, if I'm a do-it-yourselfer? That's really where I see that growth of loyalty outside of the points into the, hey, let me serve up the information that you need to continue experiencing your passion, your hobby, whatever that is, or maybe it's work-related and you have to do things for work, but it's delivering that delight overall to them.
1: I love that. I need you to come work for Annex Cloud now (laughs) (laughs) because you're spot on. Uh, That's exactly what we're seeing is how do you actually create that emotional bond with your customer and you're not doing it through strictly what we call transactional loyalty. As an organization, you need to be offering up different experiences and different benefits. And a lot of it, what we're seeing kind of trending, if you will, are are the beginning of communities and also extensions of the brand into more of your lifestyle. So you see Nike doing uh, a lot of that as an example of Nike at its core is just selling clothing and shoes, right? But they've got their apps that are helping you keep track of where you're running and, and your diet and all those kinds of things. We're seeing different organizations partner with others to extend beyond where they are today. Elf Cosmetics client went and did a promotion with Chipotle. And people were like, well, why would they do that? And and it's because you know, the demographic makes sense. And now... People are thinking about ALF cosmetics outside of the drugstore or the website that they're buying their cosmetics on. They're associating it in different places within their life and and therefore you're know, creating stronger bonds with, with that particular brand. Um, so I, I think we're going to see a lot more of that, which is going to be really cool, the creativity that can happen there.
0: Yeah, I, I love that example of just approaching loyalty differently and i I think that's where as we continue to see where uh 2021 takes us with the acceleration that so many organizations had into digital commerce last year now it's the refocus right it's the refinement of what they put in place in order to uh handle COVID and all the shutdowns now it's all about how do i continue to optimize on the consumers that i was able to gain or retain last year. And I I think loyalty is where they need to start planning those efforts and and exploring that if they don't have that in place today. So overall, Aaron, I love the conversation we had today. Uh, Unfortunately, we're at the end of our show, though. But I just want to thank you so much for joining me on Lessons for Tomorrow. Was there any last parting words of wisdom that you want to share with our listeners?
1: Well, yes, I guess some final thoughts are you can certainly follow Annex Cloud on LinkedIn and on our website. We're always sharing your new content about what's going on and what the different trends are and tips for how to be using loyalty in a broader way. Plus, we've launched a club on Clubhouse called Driving Customer Loyalty that a lot of the folks in the industry are behind. And we encourage you to join the club and join us every Monday at 5 Central for a conversation on on all these topics that we just covered. We pick a different topic each week, uh, one that's coming up, over the next few weeks is community. Uh, and we'd love to, to have you join us.
0: Wonderful. Definitely, I encourage everyone to join the Annex Cloud Clubhouse there and, and listen to that. I think the community one is definitely a great conversation to continue hearing about uh, with regards to loyalty. Uh, with that, though, we bring the show to a close. Just, again, thank everyone for listening and stay tuned for future episodes of Lessons for Tomorrow.